Hello, this is Black Country Blokes chewing the fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the moms, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. I've been here. Just the Black Country Blokes tuning the fact about everything it is. Mental health, disability, and life in general. Here with me, Kev Dillon, and my partner in crime, as always, Lee Cadman. Now we're joined today by Isaac from Israel. We're very international, and we love having these conversations with everyone around the globe. So, Isaac, thank you, brother, for coming on. Thank you very much for having me, guys. It's my honor. It's a pleasure. So, as always, guys, we're going to start with our gratitude list. Now, as always, I've got many things to be grateful for, even as silly as the sun's out. And how great that is in the UK having the sun out. But I was lucky to be at my uh, my goddaughter's baby's christening on the weekend. It was lovely seeing Cash, Quinton, Judy, Nigel, true family. It was lovely having my wife and my daughter there and being involved in it. In fact, we we're at two christenings. And it's wonderful just being there as a family, catching up and chewing the fat. So that I'm very grateful for. Lee, what are you grateful for, brother? Oh, along the same lines, just uh, friends and family. You know, I moved out uh, to the new place this this weekend, and the help and support we got from friends and family was absolutely unreal. And I'm really grateful for them. Grateful that they they came out and and just helped because it was a stressful time. It's it's now done, and yeah, you can't. We've got some fantastic friends and family. And Isaac, what are you grateful for, brother? Uh, well, first of all, I'm happy to hear that the move you were able to get some help with because I just got to Israel a, a week ago as well. well our move wasn't as far as yours. It was, <laughs> it was only five <laughs> minutes down the road. It's, so that's it's, stressful. A it's a different type of traveling. But yes, thank God it's gone easy. But what am I grateful for is uh, usually I work on the concept of just being grateful. I'm grateful for the moment. For example, I'm Jewish, and in Judaism, they say you wake up and you say a line every morning before you even start anything. It's It's the sense of you say, thank you, God, for waking me up in the morning. You trust in me for giving me another opportunity to enjoy this moment. And the truth is chronic pain is what somewhat got me to not just learn the line itself, but to experience the line. And what do I mean is, is as a chronic patient, most people get up to a life of almost zero purpose. There's nothing left. I can't, I'm just tired. I'm in pain. I want to do something, but I just can't anymore. So it's very depressing. It's very sickening. It's dangerous for people. And one of the things that I changed right away was my mindset in the morning to wake up grateful for just getting up. I have my kids, I have a five-year-old boy, a three-year-old daughter, I have my wife. No one deserves to live in pain. No one deserves to be sick. So Isaac, if no one's here to help you, how are you going to take accountability? Because again, God believes in you. He's, he's waiting for you to just do it. Yes, it might be coming in a hard way. But again, it's your task. It's your job. So it taught me to become grateful for the moment. And the truth is that it helps me throughout time and practice. Grace comes in all forms throughout my whole day. If it's not a phone call, if it's not a smile, if it's not sometimes even going through some sort of debate with someone or with my wife, but only to grow from it. So 
I, I guess I'm grateful just for being. I have another second and another opportunity. So, I mean, that's wonderful. It's a great way of looking, and that's something I, I work on. I always do my great, uh, gratitude list with my daughter when I take her to bed, or and I'm practicing putting it in a book. And just as you say, every day I've woke up, uh, I've got friends, I've got family. And a lot of time when we do gratitude lists, like we used to do it with our support group, we feel like it has to be a grand gesture. I've found £50 today, or I've won the lottery, or I've had a promotion. But it's those simple things of, when I go to the toilet, it flushes. I've got people I can phone if I love them. And I've got love in my life. I can see, I can swallow, I can go to the toilet. It's these small things that are also massive things. When you take away the simple things, it's amazing how terrible your life becomes. Uh, it's I, You're right. You know, the truth is, it's I call it, it, it it's lowering your expectation. you got to lower that expectation of, what you're grateful for or what you're going to do or what task you're going to take on, especially when you're recovering. So you have to put those measurements. And the truth is when you look at your habits, those addictions, those habits are usually small things that add up towards the end of the day that make such a horrible day. So you got to wake up for the small things at the beginning for music. It's crazy, but they say that biologically, by the age of 35, 70% and up to 90% of our actions and thoughts are on autopilot. You're driving home, suddenly you head to the store, you don't even realize. And the concept is, is that you wake up with the same character, but sometimes it could be that your character has, it's been such a negative mindset without realizing, for example, hating mornings. If you wake up every day hating the mornings, the truth is biologically, that means your autopilot for the future to come from 35 and on is probably going to be hating mornings. And that's sad because that means that when you carry a habit or a negative addiction, you become slave to the body. The body is in charge of how you act. Your, your conscience wants to get up and say that tomorrow is going to be a good day or I'm going to wake up positive today. But you could no longer do that because your habits are just like, oh, Again, Monday, I can't do this. I can't wait for Friday. You didn't even start your week and you're already waiting for the week. That's a scary loop in life. I don't, don't a lot of people do that naturally, going, I'm not a morning person. And again, you're putting that into your head that you are not that person. Well, actually, you you know, what, what is a morning person? What is that? And it is just, it's just something that you are, you've, you've repeated in your head to tell yourself that you're not that that kind of person. But actually, what is it? You, you, you know, you can be whoever you want to be. You just got to tell your mind that. Well, the concept of freedom of choice. I always tell people freedom of choice is a limited concept. It's not specifically that you have freedom in everything. You will be put in positions in life that you didn't really have choice. The only thing you have is the choice of how to react to what happened to you in life. And that's the thing. You're right. You could wake up and say that, yeah, but people say it and I really am not a person. But yeah, it's he who says he can and he who says he can't are both right. And the reason for that is, is you're feeding that mentality. And that's what I mean is a lot of people become so unaware, they become slaves to their reality. I'm not a morning person. Yeah, well, I was a depressed morning person who was waiting to die, who was taking drugs and really believed that it was easier if my family wouldn't be with me because I was leaving so much trauma and damage that it was probably better if I wasn't around. That's not true. I don't know the impact I would have done or caused if 
if I wouldn't be here today. And that is a lot deeper than what people usually take a second to think about life. Our little actions, our little thoughts today, going back to what you said, Kate, it's the little steps today that create the huge impact in the future tomorrow. So take accountability of the little things, break it down. You see, I woke up and I couldn't just smile. I used to say, good morning to another beautiful yet shitty day. That was my mindset. I used to wake up really horrible, but with time, being grateful, saying thank you, Modani, waking me up. Playing music, music I realized was a motivator. It was a tool. And by the way, it creates dopamine. So it could help you get off drugs by getting active, can help you get off. You have to switch the addictions. But by doing these little things throughout time, I had become aware more of how to use my thoughts, where to direct myself. Even though it was hard today, it's okay. Tomorrow's going to be better. So I'm not as judgmental on myself. I'm not as in pain. And slowly but surely, I start to forget about the pain because I'm so focused on figuring out how to create a blissful future, an Eden for the ones around me, not just for me, to become selfless and become service to people because that's that's purpose to life. That's me. If everyone needs you, there's no time to die. Sorry. No, no, thank you. But could so this is the positive man you are now. Could you tell us how you got to be this person? I got hit by your journey. (laughs) I got hit by a car. Uh, No, there are always some some things. Every every person is, you know, as he gets older, he creates a persona, right? There's this character that he starts. You, You see, a lot of people think it's their own character. Your character you created according to how, as a child, you reacted and your parents reacted to you. And then you went to the park and you would figure out how you talk to your friends and slowly but surely, and you created the persona called Isaac. One of my personas, yes, was, you know, always to smile and to be kind of, I guess you would say what you're calling, you know, optimistic and happy, grateful person, but I guess back then it's not, you're not even aware. You just choose to be happy. As a kid, I said, I choose to be a happy person. But as you get older, you realize that it wasn't your fault. <laughs> Most of the shit you're going through, excuse my language again, sorry no, no. to mothers out there. You go through so much hardship and pain and adversity, and you realize that a lot of the pain that you are going through today wasn't specifically your fault. And it was the hand you were dealt in life that someone led you down to this path as well. You become aware of, and that's where I believe people need to make a choice. And the choice is either I'm going to be that person that that inner child once said I'd be, that happy person, that guy who makes people laugh or whatever you felt like you were as a character, or you fall to what I call victimization. And why do I call it victimization? A lot of people get, you know, they don't like the word, but again, if I take someone's story and I talk about how much he was pained and he was wronged and et cetera, that means he's the victim to the story. And most people, and you see it even today, you see that victimization has actually become a problem because a lot of people tend to, they talk about I, for example, relationships. 30% of people now are getting divorced left and right. It's like a thing, especially in my age. Whoever's gotten married is already getting divorced. Most people who get divorced when you talk to them, when they go to counseling, they're talking about I. I do this for him and this for them, and he doesn't respect me. I go to work, I do that, and she doesn't respect me. We're talking about I. That means that they're both trying to look for some sort of justice. 
I do something, you don't care about me. If you're looking for justice, that means someone has to be right and someone has to be wrong. And if you were wronged, that means you're the victim. And you got to choose to be happy. You need to choose to see life in this way. So the truth is, going back to the question, there was always a character to me that believed in optimism and positivity, but I fell victim to victimization. And only once, and I always say it, it was a present in disguise. It's really a gift in disguise. Only once I got hit by a car. And then not only that, I had to, I, I'm, I paralyzed my left arm, so the brachial plexus, but all five nerves from the C5 to my T1 tore from the root. So it completely ripped all nerves and function in the arm, leaving me disabled in my arm. But not only that, I was left with a very severe case of neuropathic pain, nerve damage, extremely painful. Uh, it took me over a year to be able to somewhat cope with life. But within that time, because of the pain, I fell to the drugs and only going through again accident, losing the arm, suffering for so long, getting to a point of complete lack of purpose. And that to me is the explanation to suicide. The reason why I want to end my life, I used to even tell my wife this, I'm done with life. I'd mix my pills that I got from the hospital, morphine, Xanax, Klonopins, Percocets. And I used to tell her, I'm done, don't wake me up. And that was because I had no purpose. I was done so with life. And slowly but surely, for some reason, God believed in me. God said, I can't just kill you right now. It's not your time. Even though you're done with life, I'm going to keep sending you this pain, this adversity, these, these experiences. They're not specifically supposed to be a bad thing, but I'm going to give it to you and you're going to learn to deal with it. You're going to learn to process what you're going through. And from there, you're going to realize that there's so much more to you in this world. You, we are all so godly with our pain, our adversity, not just me. We are all somewhat godly within us once we start taking that accountability and letting go of the victim and the pain within. And once you start doing that, it was very quickly, I went from being, you know, in, in Hebrew, we say miskin. Miskin is also in, I think, maybe Arabic, Moroccan, but they say miskin. Miskin is poor guy. And really, you know, when you look at him, you talk about his story, well, poor guy, he dealt with a hard life. I, I fell to becoming miskin. But once I started making that change, I tell people, don't underestimate time. Within a year, I went from being poor dude to, wow, thank you, you're truly motivating. And that brings so much purpose to someone's life. So my task today is no longer overcoming pain. I used to wake up in my life to overcome pain. Today, I have to live my life to overcome ego. I'm still a nobody. No matter who I'm in front of, no matter how many people, no matter how people want to grace me or tell me or give me a hug or shake my hand or take a picture, it's irrelevant. You're still nothing. You're exactly like everyone until you choose to be unique. And the only way we can choose to be unique is to become selfless. Once I nullify my persona that I created in the negative way and I go back to the roots of becoming the optimistic, happy person to life, only once I sacrifice my persona, only then do I create the Isaac that everyone wants to know. So it's, it's crazy, but the more we learn to let go a bit, going back again, Kevin, 1%, just 1% of that mindset that's shifting, 
at the end of the day, you'll wake up and you'll be like, wow, I can't believe this is how, I can't believe this is my life. I'm extremely proud of myself. And I tell people that today. I'm proud of who I am. I could look back a year ago. And the difference is, is what? Suicide to me being on a podcast at 9.30 at night for me? That's incredible. I got to travel to multiple countries this year to go ahead and spread belief and faith. Guys, don't give up. You're stronger. Yeah, it's hard. Life is all about its adversities. But you got this. 1% at a time, you got this. And, and suddenly, compound interest. You've become the godly person you were always meant to be. And, and I think, I don't know about yourself, but it isn't always about that, wow, I've woke up negative, now I'm positive. As you say, it's that 1% every day, believe in yourself, believe in the process. And, you know, some days you do feel shit. Some days, you, and you remind yourself, but tomorrow I will feel better. And it's working towards that, isn't it? Allowing yourself to be human, human, but giving yourself credit for how far you've come. It's a great point because one of the, excuse me, guys, one of the uh, deeper problems that society has is the judgmental way we react to ourselves. We're very judgmental on ourselves. Uh, most people have what we call a fixed a set mindset. They were taught in not the most of best ways, which caused them to lose faith in themselves as people. Mm. So you need to create that space and you have to create that awareness. How do you speak to yourself? What are you telling yourself on a day to day? When you, you know, a lot of people, like if someone tells me, wow, you're such a great guy. I can't believe you did this. You're so good. I right away tell it to myself within myself, within my conscience. I tell myself, you're like a bad guy, Isaac. No matter how much these people are lifting you up, you're still like a bad guy. Now, this is my test. Why? Because when you have, you know, an event and you do a thousand people event and everyone comes to say hi and thank you and shake your hand, it builds a crazy ego. And if everyone's telling you you're such a good guy and you're so smart, you're probably going to fall trapped to believing in it. So the only way I could go ahead and remind myself is by telling myself, Isaac, you're just like everyone else. And everyone's characters, their habits are not specifically always the best things. We usually tend to fall, you know, your doctor says, your sugar is high, stop eating, start working out. You want to, but when you see a piece of cake, you eat a piece of cake. So don't forget, Isaac, you're like a bad guy. Now, what do I mean? I didn't say I'm a bad guy. I didn't say I'm an idiot. I didn't say I'm a junkie. I said, I'm like a bad guy. Making the difference between you and your problem is one of the the main virtues you need to carry in recovery. How do you reply to your problems? Are you the problem? Did you create you the problem? Or do you have problems and you're at the moment stuck within this problem? There's a difference. And that's the thing. If you can't make the difference between you and your problems, if you created the problem as yourself, then yeah, you're going to fail. If I tell myself, ah, you're a bad guy, after 20 years, it's like a drop of water hitting a rock. I'm going to believe I'm a bad guy. But if I tell myself I'm like a bad guy, be careful. Don't let yourself grow with ego and feel all of this power as if you're something. You still have the same characteristics as every other human being. That Maybe is what I call being a warrior, someone who's waiting. I think I I do something similar. Like with the podcast, we get we get recognition, good and, and bad. And the first thing I realize is actually none of it matters. 
because the only people who are the people who know you are the ones who can really tell you what you are and what you're like because people who listen to our podcast they get an insight into our lives no doubt but they don't know us you know they know they only know what we tell them so whether they're praising or giving us negative you know it really it's it doesn't matter it only matters what my close friends and family think and feel that's that's a big one that's you lee with with people around you and that's something about you know i always tell the younger generation be careful because as you as you you know get into the teen world you i don't care what people say about me but if your close ones around you are telling you dude you got like anger issues bro you got to relax they're just trying to help you it's mm-hmm. not specifically at times but if some random guy who never met you told you that's another story but again me it's more when it comes to the recovery part it's how do you talk to yourself are you the problem or do you have a problem that you need to deal with and that is one of the tools you see when it comes to recovery physically, mentally, spiritually, or financially, there are three virtues I stick to. The first one is bitulatsmi, selflessness. It means to nullify that persona. Again, and the reason for that is it's very simple. If I got to where I am with my life at the moment, I need to destroy the person I am at the moment to create the person I'm supposed to become. And the brain cannot focus on two things at the same time. So if I'm constantly thinking about pain, about past experiences, etc then I won't be able to create the thoughts of the beautiful future that I'm supposed to live within. So you need to become selfless and self-sacrifice. That's what it is to self-nullify that persona that you carry. The second one is Havdala. It's making the difference. Know the difference between you and the problem. You are not your problem. Maybe in life, people didn't know how to talk to you and it caused you to maybe get to a point in your life where when you're talking to yourself, you're very judgmental to who you are as if you're the problem itself. Remember, you are not your problem. You are actually godly. You are something a lot deeper than what you ever think you can be. And if you go ahead and make the difference, it will allow you the last step in life in recovery, which I call hamtaka. And that is called sweetening life. And what do I mean by that? Is your you're you're obligated to work constantly on how you could bring joy to anyone you see and that again also takes some sort of self-sacrifice because you let go how you feel and you become of service to the ones around you and it's crazy because you create an energy and the energy you give to someone by saying good morning and actually taking a second to listen to him is so impactful that he'll give you back times too by explaining to you how he feels and allowing communication to start, hence why we are social creatures. And that's the concept of recovery. Stay within those three virtues, which again, selflessness, self-nullification, making the difference, and sweetening life. If you stay within these three steps, you'll somewhat, I think, recover from almost any problem you could have, physically, mentally, spiritually, and financially. I think, as you said, we... We, we've got to, we talk to ourselves more than we talk to anyone else yet we talk to ourselves appallingly you know if someone said I'm, i feel fat you could oh you you look lovely or oh, 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 uh, my wife says oh give yourself a break but to ourselves we pick apart all our most horrible things and we focus on them and instead of going you're doing your best you did better than yesterday you, you didn't go to the gym today but you went yesterday and you'll go tomorrow well done and when we can be kind to ourselves and we give ourselves credit, it becomes such an easier journey, doesn't it? Oh, 
once you learn how to speak for yourself, and it takes a second, it's not something mm-hmm. you're going to catch overnight, and you're going to see a lot of the time. A lot of people told me, what are you doing? You're not actually happy in the morning. You're in pain. You're always suffering. See, we say, what are you lying to yourself? Or a lot of people say, what, you're faking it till you make it? No, it's I'm truly trying to make it. That's what it is. So I'm focused step by step by step by step. Now, the, que- the answer deeply to what you say is you have to take, again, everything into measurement. Am I truly working on myself? And only you have the answer to that. Mm-hmm. And again, like you say, we speak to ourselves. So we all know. We sit down and we know if, if we waste the time or if we actually, you know, we're, we're being kind with our wives and we are really trying to help or if we actually lost patience with our kids or not or did we really need to justify this we know we know that's the thing you know people think that you know maybe he doesn't know but most of the moral things to life because we expect people to be morally to us we already know what it means to be moral which is pretty funny so yes it's it, it's there's a huge impact by by learning how to talk to yourself. But don't, don't, don't like half-ass it. You only take accountability. You know, when I was getting off the drugs, I wasn't able to get off of every, I, I mixed, it was a real cocktail of opioids, including morphine and every drug in the book. But I had to become so honest with myself that it got to a point that even when I failed, I said, okay, I failed. Isaac, I'm not gonna punish you for failing but don't act like if it's okay. Don't be like, yeah, I tried. Well, maybe you didn't try hard enough. Failure is okay because failure and, and adversity and experience, these are supposed to be positive things if you have a growth mindset. I believe in these things. I, I believe these things are what forms us and shapes us. The experience is hence the end game. It's the closing to really having the wisdom to what you're doing. But again, weigh your stuff. Are you truly putting in the work or do you allow place for it? For example, if you're trying to get, excuse me, I know just this last point. If you're trying to stop getting angry in life, you have that issue. Maybe you're recovering from alcohol or you just, you know, you grew up in a house that everyone screams and gets mad or you're getting off opioids or you're suffering and your problem is anger. My question is, is do you think there's any time that you should really react the way you react when you're actually angry? And failure is okay. I'm not saying that if you fail, it's it's not okay. It's 100% okay. That's the way you're going to grow. But are you going to justify the immoral act of anger? And that brings me on to what you were saying there. It's when you do relapse, it's accepted you've relapsed, accepted that you failed, and the best don't blame it on because that's what we do when we when we relapse it well it was her fault my fault that it's it's happened are you going to let it happen again what steps have you learned and taken to stop it from happening again what have you learned from this experience that's what it means to be at constant uh place to be within your thoughts you see and the more you're within these thoughts of weighing your life and seeing what the right decisions are to make unless you you're focused on anything else there's more one of the reasons again why i'm most of my time i'm grateful and happy and i'm okay even if i'm having a hard time is because i'm constantly within my thoughts i'm somewhat weighing everything 
So the more we learn to pay attention to what we're going through, and again, you said people blame, that's called victimization. Mm. Learn the concept of freedom of choice. I tell people, if it's really hard for people, what I had called my project at the beginning, everything I'm talking about is somewhat virtues. It's things we already know. So I call my project recovery through values, recover through certain values. Now they're going to change. It's normal. I didn't think this way when I was 20 and I'm not probably going to think hundred percent the same way when I'm 50, your thoughts grow, but pick things that you feel are closest to you. That's what I guess a lot of it taught me is that there are so many virtues in life that are great moral virtues that you can't work on all of them. And that's again, also trying to micro down things, you know, and setting those goals. Okay. So if I believe in happiness, how do I create it? What is happiness to me? What does it mean to be happy? Well, it's an emotion. When do you get the emotion? Personally, me is when I'm giving. If I'm giving someone in any way, mentally, physically, financially, if I'm giving, I feel to, I feel I'm, I, I, I feel fulfilled. I feel like there's real joy to that. Okay, Isaac, how do you give? If you can't give now financially or physically, how are you going to give? Well, empathy. I'm going to give my time, my thoughts, my ear to listen, because most people who are suffering first need to be heard. Don't expect someone who's suffering to listen to you if he still hasn't felt as if he's been hurt. So most of the times, all you need to do is sit down with a friend who's suffering for an hour and a half. And this happened to me literally a week ago. Sat down with a friend for two hours. Two hours breaking down what he's going through, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to a point where he said, you know what, buddy? I like the way you perceive life, the way you look at the end game. And that's what I mean. What's the story you tell yourself? How do you see yourself getting into everything? What are the virtues you carry? Again, most people relapse because they're not actually taking care of the problem. One way to actually take care of the problem is by creating a new addiction. Fall addicted to the way you are going to react to life. Fall in love with that, that hero you tell yourself you could be. But if you keep telling yourself, oh, I can't do it, I'm not good enough, I'm in too much pain, I have so much. And I don't blame people who are, by the way, relapsing on any sort of substance. I believe that the reason why people are taking substance or drinking or et cetera is because they're in so much pain, they're running away from a certain reality. I don't blame you for that. That is not your fault. But I really hope that people are strong enough and aware enough to reach out to one another, to speak, to create, to communicate, to, 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 to find themselves at least one person that they think will be able to listen to them without judging them, where they're able to become truly vulnerable and explain how they feel so that they can actually start to feel as if they've been hurt to be able to now you know, create this life they want to live, this beautiful <laughs> Eden on earth, I would say. Amen to everyone who's suffering, really. I wish a lot of people a lot of peace. And something else you touched on, uh, how you talked about anger. Do you find anger has its place in life? Did you hear that, Isaac? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, man. Uh, anger. Does it have? 
I, you know what? On a day to day, I wouldn't see any reason for why anger. When, when, let me ask you, where do you justify anger, Jeff? As I say, because Lee, me and Lee talk about this a lot, and I have to remind myself of incidences and anger is a natural emotion. And I think if someone broke into my home, maybe the, the anger, but it, would it be the anger that got me out of the situation or a bit of courage that got me out of it? And I often think, have any good things ever come from when I've lost my temper? And I struggle to think of any situation where... There's your answer. Yeah. <laughs> There's your answer. So you see, a lot of people have asked me a question like this. And I used to think that to everything in life, there's measurement. So the anger that should, you know, be the measurement is anger towards like, you know, immorality or things like this. But it can't even be anger because if you allow anger, the problem with anger is once you get angry, you are no longer angry. And that's, that's the problem. That's the main issue is you have no control when you're angry. A lot of people who tend to get over angry, they say, I don't even know what happened. I just, I just lost it. It's because you're no longer in control. And the question, where is it moral to be angry and mad? Even, for example, let's take what you said, someone breaks into your house. As a fighter, you know that the first thing you want to do is keep your core. In any fight situation you're about to get into, keep your core. You have to know if this is a fight that you're allowed to get into with your bare hands or if the guy's holding a knife or if it's, this is the part where you run away or if do I have to protect someone. So again, where is anger ever okay? So there's maybe the level of what we call in, 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 in Hebrew, it's like a certain fear. You know, when you're trying to teach your kid, he has to know that the electricity is dangerous. So there's like, hey, don't, you, there, it's not a judgmental way of being. It's, you don't judge the child. You always tell them, this is not who you are. You're such a good kid. But there are some things that you want to put a bit of fear into place. You want to have, so again, it's never really, it's never really anger. The virtue of anger is a horrible virtue in today's society. I don't think of any place where I think that anger is something that you could use. Your wife didn't make dinner. No, it's not a good reason. You're sitting in traffic. It's a really stupid reason. What, why is it okay to get mad? Your kid didn't listen to you? So you mean you're willing to get angry and discommunicate your kid in a way to a point where when you guys are, you know, he's now in his mid-20s, he doesn't even talk to you and you think that's okay because you wanted to get a point out that he was bad, so you got angry? There's so much to lose with anger compared to what you could gain. There's almost nothing I see in today's world and on planet Earth that anger would help us with. Now, I think you've explained that brilliantly because it's something we talk about a lot. And the other question I've asked a few of our guests because you've talked a lot about ego. It, can ego be a good thing or is it always bad? Ego is bad. Ego is bad. Believing in yourself is good. You see, see a lot of people mix up things. Ego is not a good thing. It's not the... <laughs> Ego is becoming full of yourself. It's, it's between, it's a thin line also of seeing people lower than you, right? So no, ego is not a good thing to carry. You should work on ego. You should never be, again, I, I usually tell people, there's like 20, 30 real problems in the world that everyone uses the same. And we all have the same characteristics. If Harvard was able to make a study that 80% are unaware that they're unaware on a good day, it just comes to show how much we're all similar. 
So when people say humans are unique, I say humans are unique when we choose to be unique, right? And to become unique, you need to become selfless. And ego is the exact opposite of selflessness. So ego will create so much pain and expectations that you will probably fall to victimization and live a life of almost no happiness. Ego will kill you because ego comes with, with my rights. I'm at this level. I deserve to sit in this place. I'm that. I'm this. And all of that mentality, if it's not given to you, then you feel like if you have the right to judge people and to belittle people and to talk to yourself as if you were the one who is hurt. That means you don't really believe in freedom of choice. I dictate how you feel because I'm not giving you what you want. You're in pain, which means I know how to make you in pain. Unless you choose to become selfless and not allow ego to kick in so that you don't build expectations. And the only sort of expectations you should have in life, again, because I always say almost 99% of everything has a measurement. You can use it. For example, anger, I don't see any place where it's relevant. But expectations, there is relevancy. Where? On yourself. That's it. People say, yeah, but what, what do you mean? I, he, he literally took it and he didn't care and he broke my stuff. And when I told him about it, he's like, ah, don't give me a crap, leave me alone. You're right. But life isn't about justice. We live in a filtered world. It's not at all about who's right and wrong. And if you're looking for justice in an unjustful world at the moment, you're going to come up with pain. So you're looking for peace. And you need to find peace. And to have peace, you have to let go of the expectations, which means it's a point of finding a Zen in your life. It's irrelevant. So that expectation you had towards that person, let it go. Just place it on yourself. If you're ever in the same situation, don't do that to the person in front of you. That's it. Children know how to do that. When we grew up, our parents were probably, you know, problems, fighting, whatever. A child wouldn't look at his parents and tell him, guys, you know that you're messing up my future mentally. He didn't expect his parents to stop arguing or debating or looking for the justice. He said, you know what? When I'm a kid, I'm never going to do what they're doing. When I'm older, I'm not going to do how, uh, the way my mom reacts, my dad reacts, I'm going to do the opposite. That's what they tell themselves. Children sometimes are so brilliant. We could learn a lot from children. And that's the thing, expectations, they teach us to nullify the expectation on others, but rather use that measurement upon ourselves. So ego, I don't think there's a place in this world. There's no one who should feel as if he's more than others. And if you do have that respect in life, well, learn to humble yourself because the only reason why you have that respect in life is because the people are giving it to you, which means you are of service to them. You owe them, which again means you have to let go of the ego and become selfless uh, and <laughs> pain. Anger, sorry. Anger, I really, kaput, man. Get it out of your life. It's really a bad thing. It's, it's going to harm you in the long term. So if you if you are anyone's out there listening there with chronic pain or the bad in an accident or life isn't fair, is it? Life isn't it's um and I think sometimes like Lee's got to say about daughter, I lost my vision young and it's uh this isn't fair, why is this happened? What sometimes there is no reason to it. This is why some people don't believe in God, this is why people so I want to blame the universe instead of just dealing with the universe and making it as happy of a place as they can 
with the the hand have been dealt? A lot of people take it hard, a lot, and, and I don't blame people. But part of finding meaning and purpose and understanding life is by going through it and processing it. Uh, again, going back to words and how you speak to yourself, the brain has a hard time going through no. When you tell yourself, that's it, you can't do it, the brain automatically wants to do it. So if you tell someone you're suffering or something, automatically he falls to it. So again, he has to realize that his thoughts have to come into place where life tells him you need to ex accept what you're going through. And acceptance is a very dangerous virtue because I believe most people are trying to talk about process. You need to process what you're going through. You don't have to accept. For example, in my case, I'm disabled, but I went through a nerve transplant where we transferred five nerves from my ribs and they attached it in the C5 to T1 so that I could get the brachial plexus, the brachial plexus to work again, et cetera, et cetera. If I have to accept my disability, there's no more healing, right? And that messes with the brain. It gets people to get nervous and they can't, they can't cope with it anymore. So I tell people, let go of the acceptance and learn the concept of process. There's always a place for pain. There's a measurement almost to everything, especially pain. Pain will help you grow. So you need to learn to process what you're going through, not accept it so that there is no such thing as boundaries to the godliness within you. So you learn to process, you stop accepting, and slowly but surely things change. But there are a bunch of little virtues, hence why I go back to the beginning. Pick some virtues, not more than you know three, four, five. I would say go with five and learn them and live your life according to them. And it's crazy is when you have virtues, for example, I have my basic virtues. I have virtues for recovery. I have virtues when it comes to how I would deal with business, with people, etc. But my basic five fundamental virtues is the first one, faith. Then it's self-awareness. Then it's selflessness, self-nullification, self-sacrifice. From there, it's fatherhood not fathership, it's the action, the verb, and then there's leadership. Those are the five virtues I look at every time, not every time, I've been working on myself for the last two years that usually when I have the option to use, if it's not regarding recovery or finance or something, I use these three, five virtues to make my decisions. And why is it important? Because when life hits you left or right, you're able to hang back onto these virtues. Today, my main virtue is sacrifice my persona towards God. And what do I mean by that? Is in an immoral world, God would want you to act morally. So I'm going to let go, let go of everything I believe I need, and I'm going to act moral because God needs me to be moral in an immoral world. But again, they're virtues that I've chosen that with time today, I have a very broad macro way of placing different virtues to take hold of my life, which means it's going to be kind of hard for life to knock me off my path. And that's why people should hold virtues and get in touch with how they speak with themselves and understand themselves and, and etc. I think it's a deep concept. I think a lot of people could take a lot of what I'm saying. And just by the minimum of it, 
inflicted on a day-to-day, but find that one person. Find someone. Don't don't make it a family member, (laughs) but find someone that you could become vulnerable to and really talk about your pain. There's a place for pain. Going back to that place. The second you accept it, you've just killed the concept of recovery. If you want to recover, learn to process, don't accept, and learn to reach out. Well, bro, I've really, really enjoyed that today. Yeah, and me. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. We we always like to end with a quote. Have you any quotes or sayings that have helped you get through life? There's so many. There's so many. Uh, But one quote that I like and I say lately when it comes to, if we were talking about my character being optimistic or happy, or we're talking about grace, then I like to say, I don't remember which paradox but the saying goes like this i can't remember who said it i I turned it up a bit but the saying i say is like this today i'm optimistic but i'm realistic because i don't want to fall to the concept of becoming naive and what does that mean is usually the optimist is the one who dies first he's waiting he's waiting he's waiting he's creating an expectation that never comes and that destroys the long term So it's the optimist who usually fails. But we also tend to see that optimistic people usually come out of failure and hardship and adversity better than others. It's not specifically an optimist who comes out of the storm. It's an optimist who stays realistic so he doesn't fall to the concept of becoming naive, not understanding truly what's happening. So to anyone suffering and he's looking to recover with optimism in life and happiness, it's great, but like we spoke about measurements, this measurement is important. To be an optimist, you need to be realistic so that you're not naive. Well, brother, thank you ever so much for coming on, and we'll uh, we'll speak soon. Thank you very much for having me, guys. God bless to everyone who's out there. Enjoy your evening, guys. So, guys, to everyone who's out there listening, I want you all to take care of yourselves and each other. To our bit. Listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you'd like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta a bit. Listen, listen, listen.